Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Decibelprods.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. And today we have Birdie. Hello. Yeah, so, if I sound a bit more restrained than usual, it's only because it is 11.30 at night and I'm in a new building where I do not know how loud I can get at 11.30 at night. Yeah. And, also, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a sour show this evening. A, because of some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, and B, because this is, unfortunately, Birdie's last show as a, as a currently contributing member of the site. Yep. Yep. Life uh, is going to hit me like a sack of bricks next week. Yep. So, unfortunately, because of said life shitting, um, Birdie will not be able to contribute to the podcast as as time requires for how we do this. So, unfortunately, he will not be with us for the foreseeable future. However, should a time arise where he is able to come back on a more regular basis, or even just if he needs to shit on something and get like a, get like it out as like a therapeutic thing, there's always a spot welcome for him here. Yeah, don't worry. I mean, I'll still be keeping up with the things that I like. Just can't talk about it with dead man as regularly as I would like. I will probably still be bugging him, just not on the show. Oh yeah, we we text. <laughs> Probably, probably a couple months we're going to be texting about one of the things that we're going to be talking about later tonight. But we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but first, uh, fucking, it's been a month and three weeks since we last recorded. Yeah. And, in, and in that time, some things happened. One of those things being the end of so- Soma, question mark. Kind of, sort of, yeah, mm. maybe. I wonder if it was canceled. I... Because unless it's, like, really obvious, it's not always clear sometimes when a shonen manga is canceled. I don't think it got canceled. Like, it was still... I can't imagine Soma being not very popular right now. No, no, it's... It means that the fourth season of the anime is going to be airing either later this year or early next year. I mean... Nothing makes sense, Dead Man, because apparently King's Game is getting another anime. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Fucking for some reason. Yep, I gotta find some new people to fucking torment with that. Uh, but but anyway, so Soma ended, and. I'm not sure if it ended. Nope. Because the official final chapter ended on the the Soma Arena let's do this bra moment. Yeah. That we never see play out. Yeah, no, it Like the entire thing has been building up to these two duking it out. Yeah, either duking it out or fucking. One of the two. Probably a little of both. Like just a weird, there's a weird Sundari hentai scene. There's a lot of those, but anyway, yeah. So we get the build up to that, the the, the entire thing, and then fucking uh, Soma cooks the goddamn dish, and it's a callback to an early thing. Seriously, so he makes some kind of variant on eggs Benedict. Yeah, because the first dish that he made for her was like a. Uh 
was like some sort of egg rice dish that well, so, she liked, but said was bad because she's a Sundari. Well, so there's that. But the reason they give in the manga is because uh, is because um, the first dish he sees Arina make is an eggs Benedict variant at that fucking cooking training camp. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that too. Now, yeah, that is the actual reason uh. that he gave. And so then she, so she eats it and it's like, holy shit, this is so goddamn fucking good. How does he keep getting good? At which point Soma's like, yo, fucking make your mom eat your food. And she goes, this is bad. Foiling Soma's plan make her say, to make her take back the, this is bad, he gave, she gave him at the start of the series. Unless it was always his plan to spread his, uh, unhealthy say it's bad say it's good no say it's good no relationship that he apparently has with this woman yeah just hey here's some eggs benedict but there's also squid and peanut butter in there i i don't think i don't think someone knows how to have a healthy relationship certainly not when it comes to food oh god no this this fucker so his entire relationship with basically everybody is is hey have i beaten you at a cook-off yet no, then we still then we still need to fucking cook off. Have I beaten you at a cook off? Yes, yet. Yes, then we're friends. The entire fucking ending of this thing ended in a fucking wet fart, despite the apparent big deal of Arena eating his food, then a building exploding. Because, yeah, just, we can't have this fucking 15-year-old have all their clothes ripped off despite literally every other 15-year-old having all their clothes ripped off. So instead, we're going to rip the clothes off of a building. Which I don't think that metaphor tracks. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, and so then that's the end of it. Just nothing is resolved. Nothing is uh, saved. The bad guy for the arc meant nothing. And yeah, so then it is a so then it was so you know someone chapter three hundred fifteen the end next page be sure to check out Shogeki no Soma the dessert next fucking issue which is a epilogue or a sequel I don't I'm not one hundred percent sure what it is all I know is that it is fucking weird well it's presented as a epilogue. But it feels just like story stuff that should have been somewhere else in the story, but that we got lost because of the constant dumb food porn. Yeah, like anything to deal with Soma's mom. Yes, none of that was important for the main story. Which was uh, a thing. Yeah, so let's dump all that into the epilogue. And when I say dump, I mean dump. Yeah. So, two chapters of it have been released so far. Uh, Bird, have you only read the one so far? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've read the second one. Okay, so, with the first one, it was essentially, it has been some amount of time since the end of, since the fucking cook-off, that, to end all cook-offs that we didn't get to see. The result of it, who the fuck knows? Uh, and so the school is getting back into fucking working order. Everything's fucking going all good, whatever. Everyone's sucking Soma off and Soma is nowhere to be seen. 
He's apparently vanished to the realm of wind and shadow like his mom. And yeah, this is the first time I actually get to see his mom fully. And it is such a flat non-reveal that I have to question why her face was blanked out in the photo from chapter one. Like, what did that mean? What, what, what did, what was gained in revealing what his mom looked like? Other than Soma appears to have been made from made just fucking whole cloth from her rib. Yeah. Like, like I'm almost scared that Soma is, is like when they reveal what his mom's personality is, it will literally just be Soma. It is just with boobs and hair. (laughs) Yeah. Like Soma, like Soma's mom from what little has been shown of her. She's just Soma, but a woman and can't cook. Yeah. Oh, also her hair is blonde instead of yeah. instead of Joichiro's color. Yeah. Because that because that's what having a kid is like. You just take two detail you just take the personality and then the hair color from each individual parent and then make a person out of it. More like cloning. Which the and if that yeah. If that is the actual reveal, I fully want to see uh, Cyber Juicer go full Gendo Ikari. I, I just. Since your mom got cancer, so I made her into a knife. That's the knife that you hold. But yeah, I. It, this, this epilogue feels like. The writer realized too late he should have done something to make Soma interesting, but forgot. <laughs> but th- th- that's the thing. Like this whole, this whole fucking epilogue is like so far. The actual characters involved in the epilogue stuff is the fucking bad guy from the goddamn final arc, Saiba Asahi. That's the fucking yeah, name. Negasoma. Yeah, That's Negas- all I'm gonna call him. Yeah, it's fucking Negasoma and his relationship with Arena. Because fucking get ready for this fucking little bit of nugget. Uh, Asahi is Arena's half brother. Yay, Team Winces. You think I'm gonna bring that up? Nope, probably not. Just fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck everything. Oh god! Now I just have it's like, like when they compete, it's like, hey, when you, when you when she tastes your food, it's like I'm tasting her food too. I'm like, oh god, no, ew, ew. <laughs> yeah, just, now now you're you're related. Stop it. <sighs> and yeah, it that that seems to be the big thing going forward. Just just building that relationship out and other stupid bullshit, and I don't know. Why? This is the end yeah, of I, this is the end of Soma's story, and Soma is the least relevant part of it. Oh yeah, because I mean, even in the, when I was enjoying the story, Soma was always the part I was the least on board with. So yeah, that's just it's weird to say that like the uh, a long running popular series' biggest problem is its main character. Yeah. It, it was actually kind of surprising. Um, well, not surprising. Just kind of funny. 
uh, reading reading that uh, first part of the epilogue, and every single comment was, this year's got a lot better now that Soma's not in it. Yeah, Which, because... Like, I can't really fault them for that. It's just still not very good. No, I mean, it's... It's the problem of the rest of the characters are more interesting, but the writer was never as interested in doing anything with them as he was with the most boring character in the series. Yeah, he sent. Yeah, he essentially gave. Yeah, he essentially gave every character one note, and then when he gave him a second note, that second note was worshiping Soma. Because yeah, he's the he's the bestest. He's the food Jesus. He's the god. He's the god among men of fucking making people nut themselves with creme brulees or whatever. Yeah. Is it weird that I'm having trouble imagining how far, like, rule six, uh, was it thir- rule thirty four that if porn exists, if something exists, porn of it exists. Yep. That. I'm trying to imagine how much further this would have to go to be a porn version of this. Like, would they be like literally fucking as on the on the pot as he's cooking, or would? Yep, that's that's most of the that's most of the soma porn I've seen. Uh, but I don't so- know why I liked this series for so long. I think because it was. I think because like at the start of it. Like, like before they actually got into the real plot of stuff, it was just watch this kind of boring vehicle for food interact with these more interesting characters. And seeing a battle manga take the form of cook-offs was interesting. But then yeah, as and, it progressed, but- it just started getting more and more to the point where Soma was having to become a character, but he wasn't ever established as having a character. And the author didn't give him enough to make him compelling. Yeah, well, and also it seemed like at the beginning that the writer had intended for Soma to be like an underdog who could like show up all the snooty rich people who were looking down on his way of cooking. But you can't do that literally forever. Yeah, but like that, that 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 has always been his mo. Just I go into a situation. This person has this person has a more highfalutin idea of how cooking should be. I'm gonna show them what for. Rinse and repeat. Kind of literally until the end. Yep. Like even going into this fucking, even going into like this, like this final arc where it was the blue tournament or whatever, where it was him versus the nega chefs. And even then he was still like, Oh, you people got all your weird superpowers or whatever. I'm just going to cook regular. This is some diner cooking motherfucker. Fuck your chainsaws. And that's all he had. And it never progressed. Yeah, it, it's, in spite of in spite of apparently his biggest strength being he absorbs the strengths of others just by fucking being near them or whatever. He never changes. No, like he absorbs their abilities, but it never seems to influence who he is as a character or the way he cooks. Which seems. I just. 
Yeah, no, trust me, dude. I, I feel you. This entire series was just potential that just slowly drained out of it through a giant soma-shaped hole in the bottom of the bottle, on the bottom of the fucking barrel. Because, like, at the time, like, I'm trying to think back to when the series came out. Like, what yeah, other, like, first. series were coming out of that time that were, like, flips on the battle manga genre? Uh, in 2015, not much. Because that's when it started, I'm pretty sure. I'd... Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. And it was, then that was, like, close on the heels of when, uh, what is it, uh, Micro Academia had started and started to get big. And, uh, wait, what the fuck? No way. Wait. wait. So, what was your what the fuck? Um, okay, so it's apparently been in, in print a little longer than I thought, but, uh, it's, it just took like a year and a half from when it started being released in Japan to when it started being released in the States. It started coming out. In the States on August 5th, 2014, but it had already been in production in Japan since November of 2012. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, actually thinking about it, that sounds a bit more right, because, like, 52 weeks in a year, minus the Japanese holidays, like, yeah, like six, seven years. That sounds a bit, that sounds a bit more right, actually. Yeah. Either way, uh, <laughs> Would it be fair to say that the last couple of years of it have been kind of painful for both of us? Oh, absolutely. Like we haven't we hadn't been talk we hadn't been talking about it as a regular thing, just going from week to week because we didn't hate ourselves that much. But whenever like we felt like a big milestone or something like really stupid happened in it, we felt the need to talk about it. Yeah. And like during this final arc, like kind of the beginning of it, then the middle of it, then ramping up to the end, then the actual end of it. That was the most we talked about Soma since we stopped talking about it as a regular thing. And like, this was, this was one of fucking Jump's biggest fucking things. Yeah. Like once you got, arguably it's still going to be until the final season of, until the anime has, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain, but I think the anime is going to cover the entire manga. So that means that the property is still going to be in people's heads for the next year or two. Yeah. Oh, fuck this. I mean, we won't care. But. Oh, God, no. I haven't watched an anime in, for, in years. Yeah, I mean, I watched a few episodes of the first anime. And even then, I was like, this is so not the manga to translate to an anime. Where you have the dynamic cooking battle off shown in excruciating detail. Yeah. Well, okay. So with the Soma thing, I watched all the first season and it was like, yeah, that was fine. I still, I still remember uh, like back when Cora was on the podcast, just, just his, just him being completely flabbergasted by like, wait, he gave the first episode five stars. Fucking what? Yeah. Yeah, like I, watched- I think, and if I had to justify that now, I would say it's because I felt like at the time, despite some like production issues and uh, kind of lackluster coloring and stuff like that, I thought it was a good translation of 
the kind of weird concept that was the first chapter of the manga. Yeah, and like well, and like while I didn't necessarily agree with you, like I wasn't gonna sit there like, wait a minute, this seems wrong. Like it, like it, it was totally your opinion. You wrote the review, so it was your it was your prerogative what score to give it. Uh, but like that first season was fine. Yeah. Like production, like production wise, it had some little issues every now and again, but for the most part, characters like character models stayed on, like characters stayed on model. Uh, the food looked good. A lot of like the like the insane like bleh, whatever fucking explosions, whatever that happened when people ate food, those were well done. That first episode, I well, the first couple episodes, I guess, I was not super hot on the tentacle shit. Yeah, well, I mean that was even a problem with the manga. So I was yeah, it, like, yeah, that's. Yeah, but but it was like worse watching it move and hearing the weird slooshing noises. Yeah, fair enough. I can understand that. But yeah, then going into season two, I think I watched. I think I watched all of season two, or at least part of it, and it like fucking began to fall apart. Like characters were like go off model all the time. There were there'd be so much reused footage. Like I remember the um, like during their internship, basically when Soma, yeah. yeah, when Soma was uh, with. Erina's assistant. With, oh, that yeah. I was I, I was thinking of the other part of the internship where he was stuck with the French douche. No, like like with the with the um with that girl. I remember this one scene. I remember like the episode where they kind of get into that. Walk up to the goddamn restaurant and they look like way slimmer and his hair looks like fucking Yu Gi Oh hair. Yeah. And they get inside and it's like, all right, rush. Use this footage. Reaction shot. Cycle that footage. Reaction shot. Cycle that footage. Reaction shot. I was like, "Wow, was this was this episode made for ten dollars? This is like yeah. an episode of Digimon." Which I have liked Digimon in the past. If I describe an anime like Digimon, it's not a good thing. No, because while I love uh, Digimon for its storytelling and its production design and its ideas. Uh, it's not for its budget or its stunning animation. Yeah, no, I just, just anytime I think about Digimon animation, I just think back to a tree waving in the wind, and it was literally, all right, here's a still image of a tree. Here's a still image of that tree, but we warped it in Photoshop. Crossfade between the two. Yep. Yeah, that was a fucking mess. And then going into the fucking autumn selection... That was just nothing. Just, hey, like, between between each fight, we have, like, fucking five, we have like, three to four chapters of let me, let me get the theme, prepare my dish, and begin just fucking experimenting. Instead, it's, oh, we're going to have a fight. Here's my dish. Haha, <laughs> it's great. Here's my dish. Fuck you. End of episode. Oh, I got so bad. I can only assume it got worse from there. Yeah. Because I think I gave up after the JoJo bit. Yeah. The last thing I remember enjoying watching, and it was fairly early on, was, and it's just because it was a part of the manga I wanted to see translated to an anime, is, uh, what was it, the sixth seat? The guy who is technically a good cook, but is more about the business side of things. Uh, yeah, he's ninth seat, I think. Or side of things. He's like ninth or tenth seat. I can't remember which, but I just, one, he was one of the last antagonists in Soma I actually gave a shit about, and that, like, 
chicken finger competition they did had some of the best faces, which they translated particularly well to the anime. But yeah. that was kind of the last time I cared. Yeah, that's fair. But yes, yeah, so that's Soma. It is all. It is done and almost done. Very soon we will have. Very soon we will get to stop caring about it until it gets some kind of sequel series. I'm assuming, or until we get to see it in like a jump celebration splash page. Boy can dream. Yeah. And the other thing that we got to come on, I kind of wanted to touch on before we got into the show proper of just us talking about what we've been reading and watching. Uh, We've both been keeping up with Unordinary. Yes. A decision. I'm not sure if I'm coming to regret yet, but I'm kind of frustrated with. Yeah. So for those who. Don't know. I didn't feel the need to explain Soma because Soma is the fucking biggest thing. But with Unordinary, it's a webtoon, so don't know how far the reach of those is. But basic idea of it is in the world of Unordinary, people are born with powers. And those powers have and those, and those abilities and stuff have varying levels of power that they have a, that they have a numbered scale to do. Um, the more powerful you are, the higher a position of authority you hold in society is the basic idea. And if you're lower rank or by higher ranks, you are by design treated like shit. Yeah. And so our lead John Doe, which is actually his real name. I remember getting very, yeah. I remember getting very peeved about that. Cause I assumed that it was an, that I assumed that it was an alias. Cause I assumed kid who got expelled from school and then began to be homeschooled would not use his real fucking name. Yeah, that seems logical. Yeah, it's like, oh, I oh, I used to be the king of the school, but then I fucking killed everyone inside of it, so then I got expelled. But I want to go to a new school and, be, and pretend to be powerless, so let me use my real name that anyone could do a fucking Alta Vista search and find out that I killed my entire school. Like, whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, so he, yeah, so he comes to the school and is like, hey, I have no powers, and gets treated like dog shit by literally everybody in the goddamn school except for one person who just happens to be the, mo- the arguably most powerful person in that school. But John's got a secret. He's actually super Jesus. Because he's got fucking the, he's got the stock bad writing anime power. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Apologies. Stock bad anime writing power subsection B, which is the copy power, as opposed to subsection A, which is the cancel power. And yeah, so we've been kind of following this up, and we had like our opinions of the series hasn't super changed. It's like solid character writing that is very drawn out and with very bad world building. Yeah. And it's like the the character writing is so good that it draws attention to how bad the 
storytelling, the world building and plot storytelling is. Yeah, because within the world, within the world of the school, there is essentially a there is literally a hierarchy uh, with the four most powerful people uh, being the king, queen, the jack, and the ace. And and we we have and like going into the story, we have those four people, and they're supposed to fucking maintain order in the school. And the king and queen are fucking gods on high, most powerful beings. Everyone everyone fucking defaults to them. Even the people who run the school allow the students to govern themselves in a way that is similar-ish to how you would assume the world was supposed to go, because that's how fucking schools go. Yeah, like it all looks and acts like a private prep school somewhere in the Western world. So where they, I guess they speak English, but I don't know. It could be somewhere. It just, I think the series is just like, I think the series is Korean that they translated in English. Yeah. But I meant like in world, like what? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's that whole kind of thing, but then you go to the outside and the world is, Essentially, just a Western civilization, just a, just a regular old modern Western city until the need arises for them to remind you that people with high power levels are in charge. Yeah, in ways that when you hear the way things operate, you're like, wait, huh? <laughs> yeah, like people with no power levels are supposed to be just fucking second class citizens just treated like absolute shit. But. That's never really been the case we don't see any super amount of like discrimination against people power levels until the plot requires it yeah and there's also all these weird things that you you think don't no one would care about in the world based on the way it's set up like uh so if if your whole premise is if you're strong you get to tell other people what to do get fucked why would anyone give a shit about like freedom of press or like uh abuse and neglect of others that are less powerful than you or bullying like the very concept of bullying calling it that is contradictory to the way the world works yeah bullying doesn't make sense with this in this world but the whole so so we one of the problems that we had with it was like john kills entire school i, I say killed but he, you know beat them up or whatever yeah Beats them within an inch of their life. Yeah. So John does that to his entire school. And then. And then that causes. And because. And like. He would, he was doing that for a while. Just fucking beating the shit out of people. And then the fuck. And then the fucking people within the school. Rose up. And then he had to kill them all. And we had a problem with that. Because. Like he's the most powerful. So why would anyone have a problem with what he's doing. And thinking about it. That's like. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how fucking monarchies get deposed. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that situation, yeah, like, the concept of monarchy, I mean, even when monarchy was the accepted form, there were always monarchs who were so bad that people overthrew them. So that one, I was more okay with. It's more like recent stuff, where they're just like, quest. they seem to, for no apparent reason, be questioning the central premise of the world. Yeah, so the main thrust of the plot's happening right now is... Uh, so Serafina, the former most powerful person in the school, lost her powers because of a terrorist organization. She got injected with a drug, and then she hasn't been able to use her powers since. And because of that, 
the school has begun to get their comeuppance. Which, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, so they, they've essentially started like fucking bullying her and stuff. And John's like, hey, don't worry about it. I got you. I'll teach you fucking some basic self-defense stuff. And then she gets kidnapped by her people who then keep her in a house and torture her for days. Potentially weeks. Which leads to John and Arlo, the king, running two counter investigations, essentially. With John taking on the identity of Joker, a masked man who no one knows anything about, but is stupid powerful because John is stupid powerful. And then Arlo actually investigating things. This comes to a head as Arlo saves Serafina and then John comes in and kills everyone in the fucking house. At which point, John goes, oh, I need to dismantle everything. And begins going after the high rankers and taking them out one by one, taking their powers and essentially showing the school that these fuckers can be dealt with. And as he's been climbing up the ranks, he has eventually gotten to Remy, the queen, the second in command of the school. Which has led to a philosophical argument between her and John that has kind of begun our gears on, okay, how the fuck does this goddamn world work again? Because her complaints aren't making a whole lot of sense to us. And like the way this whole situation is playing out isn't making a whole lot of sense to us given what we understand of the world. Yeah, because essentially uh, once it's revealed to her that if you are not high tier, you're treated like shit. Uh, apparently that's a new concept to her. Um, Which it isn't because she's literally interacted with John before under the, uh, under the, like with the knowledge that, Oh, he's low. He's the bottom of the tier. So he's fucking treated like trash. I should help him. Yeah. So when that's revealed to her, her responses are to like a internally berate herself for not realizing that this was a consistent problem that she was just ignoring, which is yeah. only a problem if you view things from the perspective of our world, not theirs. Uh, and B to then berate John. It's like, well, why don't you fix everything? Yeah. It's this weird like idea where she like, Flitters back and forth between being a child of this world and being someone with altruism, which she hasn't yeah. really been shown to be before. Like, yeah, like, like the closest she's come to being altruistic is, and she admits it herself, is that she wanted to be like uh, the previous king before Arlo, whose name was Ray. Yeah, it's her brother. Uh, yeah, but uh, she was mainly just doing that because she wanted to imitate someone she idolized, not because she felt any true sense of altruism. Yeah. And any of the altruistic things she has done, it's not been out of the goodness of her heart. Like, Oh, this person needs help. I should help them as a good person. It's Oh, like, like her first interaction with John, she sees this person getting fucking like getting like freaking the fuck out, having problems. And she's like, Oh, I'm in charge. I should show that I am a good person in charge by helping this man. Nothing about her has been nothing about her has been just I'm going to help people out of the goodness of my heart. It is I have power, thus I am required to do something. 
even even when she became a superhero, because in this world, superheroes are becoming a thing where people with high tier abilities are discovering the concept of altruism and becoming superheroes. Yeah, and it's been pointed out repeatedly in this world that the sheer the mere idea of altruism is apparently so dangerous that it's considered subversive and illegal. Yeah, John's dad wrote a book, which is the title of the series, Unordinary, which was about a world where no one had powers except for one man who used those powers to help people. And that book was considered so subversive and deviant that it is... It, like every copy of it has been seized by the government, and if you are found to have a copy of it, the government comes to you with a lie detector person to determine whether or not you've been infected with the idea of helping people. And there's this whole other subplot going on with like this like Ember, the organization that has been like killing these high tiers, and I have I it hasn't kind of gone anywhere. <laughs> it hasn't really gone anywhere, but I've kind of like thought of a way they could take a way the author could take it. That might be interesting where like Ember is just like, it's, it's been hinted at in the series where Ember is working for the government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that's the direction that she seems to be going with it. And hopefully we get there soon because that is actually not More a terrible thing. What's currently happening. <laughs> yeah. It's a solid idea. And it actually shows the government of this world to be like actually relatively conniving. Yeah, like it shows the it, it also addresses the core problem of um, how can the concept of altruism be so dangerous to this world when at the same time it's also like the government is like a can't like not everyone in the government can be a high tier like maybe everyone in charge can be but like not everyone so there has to be some system and like if. You can't have a government when you literally tell everyone, if you're powerful, do whatever you want. Yeah, it's essentially a Wild West. So there has to be some. Yeah, it's basically like a Wild West town, but with an all-seeing government over top of it taking charge. Yeah, so kind of like a... (laughs) Kind of like a a fighting game anime from the 90s or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get y'all back on cop. Bison. Yeah. I'll go with that river and kick bison's teeth in so hard. The next bison want to be is going to feel it. <laughs> oh, God. That makes so much sense with this world. Honestly. Fucking Ming-Na wins in that movie. Ming-Na wins in everything. Yeah, it's weird. Like, like, I never knew her name until Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then I just started looking down her IMDb page. Oh, she's literally been in everything. <laughs> yeah, it's this. It's It's a really weird thing. I need to catch up on Agents of Shield. Yeah, particularly I I I kind of fell off around season four, but I should probably get caught up now that it's ending next season. Yeah, I I finished the season, the most recent season before season six, so I finished season five, and I've like started inching my way into season six. Fair enough. And it's still good. It's still interesting. They're still like actually no, finding ways to do new shit. Yeah, I'm sure it is still interesting. It's just... <laughs> no, try, I, I get it, dude. But anyway, so with Unordinary, this whole thing, we're just... We're I just, think the main reason Dead Man and I are so annoyed with it currently is that we're just tired of this current arc. Yeah, because, because like it has been... like The last couple of arcs have largely been holding patterns. Yeah. 
where the arc is like 12 updates and seven of those updates are just nothing happening. Yeah, because a a mostly child, a mostly um, ca- uh, character-focused small story is fine. It only becomes a problem if you have to have your world match, um, you know, the universe stuff. The the universe of your characters has to match to where it doesn't feel like you're just having paper cutouts discuss things because you wanted them to be discussed. Yeah, and I I am tempted to try to get in contact with the author of this and see if they'd be down for like an interview or something, but I worry that like, hey, come to this platform so I can ask you questions about this thing that I don't get. Yeah, like you could maybe do uh, what I did with uh, when I was talking with Kurt Busiek about Avengers 200. It's like, Maybe just like on her, on whatever her Twitter, her public social media or her email, just politely ask her a question, and depending on how she responds, you can decide how to approach a conversation with her from there. Yeah, maybe I've never been great at situations like that. Fair enough, but we'll see. How, we'll see how that goes. Like I, like I don't want to. I don't want this to sound like we are just like fucking shitting on this thing, this story or this person. No, because I think we're frustrated because we see a lot more potential than what it's using. Yeah. Like character wise, art wise, there's good shit here. Like we wouldn't still be reading it if there wasn't something that we could latch onto and enjoy. It's just the core conceit of the world frustrates us because we don't understand how it corresponds to the things we're seeing in your story. Yeah. It feels like the writer, I'm going to give the writer the benefit of the doubt right now and say, she doesn't um, want to address the core elements of the way the story functions. It's just the way her character writing is going. She kind of has to. Yeah. And who knows? Otherwise, we're maybe to a point where things just don't mean anything. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we're both just fucking idiots and have missed some key piece of the fucking plot yeah. that was told in like some weird background dialogue that we just kind of skimmed over. Yeah, could be. Could be. Yeah, but just but as I, as it is standing right now, this book is salt. This book is decent character writing that's currently in a pattern of holding patterns while they fail to have that writing gel with the world that's established. Yep. <sighs> so that's that. Yeah. And I guess we'll go into the rest of the show. Uh, so I'll just kind of bang my shit out because I got just a bunch of shit that is largely just the same. It's largely just East Sky stuff. But so many East Guys. <laughs> yes, but some of it is actually kind of interesting. Uh, so okay. one, one will just kind of bang out of the way first. Um, I, I checked out that, uh, other world part-timer that you mentioned before, like the little, like, right. Yeah. Uh, just, I'm the temp guy in another world as I call it. Yeah. Where just a dude for a temp agency just goes in these random jobs. And then over the course of that, over the course of one day at the job, he is all of a sudden teleported to a fantasy world where he just does something, doesn't realize he's in a fantasy world. And then 
and then just kind of comes back. Oh, that was weird. Meanwhile, in the fantasy world, there's a growing mythology about the weird man who all of a sudden ports in from nowhere, saves the day, and then leaves before anyone can anyone can fucking talk to him. Yep. Which that part is interesting. That that part is interesting to me of just this continuing background story in this gag comedy series where there's a growing religion built around this fucking free time part, like fart, like fucking part timer. Yeah. I mean, like I said, because it's a four coma thing there, it, it's basically just a joke, an episode, a chapter basically. Yeah. But it's, and like with any four coma thing where it's all about a joke, a chapter, it, it your interest is going to vary chapter to chapter. There are some I'm more in, in anno- having fun with than others, like the most recent one where uh, he was trying to heat up some leftover curry and he couldn't get the stove hot enough and then he teleports on top of a dragon's head. <laughs> and he gets it so hot that he's burning his hands trying to hold on to it, but the dragon's pissed because it's like, you used me as an oven heater. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a funny book. It's just, you know, a four coma thing, so probably not going to stick with it for super long. Just every once in a while, just come back. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's nothing to hold you like long term. It's just every now and again you'll remember it's a thing, and if you're bored, you'll read a couple chapters like, "Oh, haha." <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. Amusement. Uh, so moving on from there. Speaking of amusement, uh, this is a series that initially caught my eye just from the title. Like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these um, isekai stories have these retardedly long titles that just make no goddamn yeah. sense and. Well, they make sense, but they're but they're aimed at a Japanese audience to a Western audience. As we're like, that's odd. Why would you, that that doesn't seem like a title? Yeah, it's it's either a title that well, it's either a long ass title that makes no sense or literally just explains what the plot of the story is. Yeah, this too. one manages to do the latter of those two things, but does it with three words. Mm-hmm. And. I'm not going to say what those words are because they're going to make me sound like a fucking weeb. But I will say, but I, but I do know what they translate out to. I knew what they translate out to the second I read it. And so it roughly translates to karate dumbass in another world. Okay. Yeah, so uh, fucking get, get what we want. Karate baka isekai. Yeah, is the story of a karate man. I don't know what the actual term for it is. I would just say martial arts guy, just for like. Yeah, so it's about a martial artist who gets hit by a truck and then gets transported to another world where he uses martial arts to fucking forge a path. But it kind of got off on the really right foot for me. By just the way that, it, by the way that it opened, because him being hit by truck Chan was not some fucking accident or whatever. He challenged the truck to a fist fight. Basically, it's like a little like the story opens up with like the little kid like fucking gawking on the street with his mom or whatever, and then he goes to fucking cross the street and fucking falls over. He's about to be hit by a truck. All of a sudden, this dude in a karate gi shows up, fucking gets a stance going, and is like, "Come at me, truck! Finally, a worthy opponent." <laughs> Punches it, and then his arm immediately shatters into a billion pieces, and he dies. Yeah, so it's like guy watched. Guy got really good at karate and assumed he would then have like Street Fighter powers. Like, oh shit, this doesn't work like in the games. Yeah, 
And so then he gets, you know, gets a fucking booted up to the god dimension or whatever. And the goddess is like, hey, so I'm going to be sending you down to this fucking fantasy world. You're going to have this awesome cheat power. And he's like, cool. No, thanks. Just send me down there. I'll be good. And he, but he was still bestowed with his cheat power, but just refuses to use it no matter the situation he's in and will solely rely on his karate to carry him through this fantasy world. And so the first thing he does is barehanded karate, karate a minotaur to death. And save the life of a literal princess. Like he just shows up and it's like, and just sees a fucking minotaur. He's like, finally, and beat the fuck out of him. And yeah, just kind of from yeah. there, just a very straightforward, just a very straightforward character of, I am a karate man fucking step to me and that seems to be the it seems to be the plot going forward like so far only three chapters have been released for it and i've really enjoyed them like like they like they have enough uh, uh like they have enough awareness that the guy isn't like the guy is a the guy is like a karate idiot but he isn't an idiot idiot truck fight notwithstanding Like, he gets to this world, and he is able to, like, read a room, read a situation, and, like, kind of just get from context, oh, this is what people think of this. Like, like people coming to this world from other worlds are a regular thing. So regular that, like, people have, people have a term for it, and people are prejudiced against them. As so he's able to read this and read, the, like, he's able to get into a room and read, oh, people don't like people, if there's, there's prejudice here. Okay, let's shut these fuckers up. Which is nice having that level, uh, having a character with a level of awareness while still being kind of an idiot is a like a hard line to walk. Writing a low and high wisdom character, yeah. But within the three chapters that have been released so far, I think they're doing a decent job with that. Uh, Art wise, they it is very exaggerated, uh, like especially with like character faces. It's very like. Like with 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 uh with our main guy, he's very much just like fucking stone faced until he gets to a fucking punch and then his arm turns into rubber as he just fucking the battle lines increase. At least when I can remember, it's been a while. But I'm enjoying I'm enjoying what's happening with this so far. It is it's not an off brand. It's not like an off kilter isekai that I've talked about, we've talked about before that I enjoy. But it is doing enough different and enough well that I want this to continue. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, another one that is that again doesn't do a whole lot different, but does enough unique, I guess, that I'm enjoying it. Uh, Kuma 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 Bear. Now, now I just think you're talking about uh, what is that series? Dong and Rampa. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, this isn't that. Uh, it's kind. Of, yeah, it's not that. Uh, yeah. So. Girl, she spends all her time playing video games because woo logs into a fucking game and is like, hey, you unlock this fucking dope item. Here it is. It's a bear costume, but the bear costume stats are fucking ridiculous. And it's like so it's like a bear kigurumi with like bear puppet pans. And it's like, hey, you want it's like, hey, you unlock this new thing. Woo! And all of a sudden she's in the game world. Woo! And but the only and the only clothes she has is the bear suit. So everyone sees her and is like why are you wearing a bear costume? 
And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. So, hey, magic. Yeah, so, like I said, there's nothing new or really unique about this other than she's just like a bear. But our lead character is... Yeah, I'm not even really 100% sure why I'm reading this outside of just fucking cute. Fair enough. Like it, like it is nothing happens in it that is super interesting or really relevant to anything. Nothing happens in it that really stands out as super good or bad. Artwork is fine. It does what it needs to do in that it is cute. The characters in it are cute. The bears are cute. I'm going really weeb in this episode and I don't like it. This, oh, it's so moe. It's not vascular. <laughs> that bear's going to headline a WrestleMania. That's probably happened. <laughs> Actually, I don't think it has. I don't think they've had a bear in WWE yet. Which is probably largely because of insurance. Yeah. Like, I, I could see them doing, like, a gobbledygooker-style thing where just all of a sudden a dude in a bear costume is wrestling. Yeah, like a guy who comes in and, and his uh, catchphrase is, a, is the child in his line, I want that bear. No, just walk. Just walks in, opens his mouth, and like from the from like the fucking state stadium speakers, just bear noises come out, like those dubbed wrestlers. Yeah, do you know there was actually? Do you know there was dubbed wrestlers, like like people who would like come out on Raw or like part of WCW or something, and they'd be speaking Japanese, but their mics weren't on, and they were dubbed over through the through the stadium yeah, audio. That doesn't surprise me. That's what happens when WWE wants to literally have a piece of not all of every wrestling thing in existence. Yeah, and there was and there was one dude as, as who was part of that little like it was a tag team, I think. And there was one dude who was part of it who would say like entire sentences, but the only line he would get dubbed is "indeed." Which, that's just fun. Wrestling's stupid and weird. I love it. Starting yep. to get back into it. You've mentioned. Yep. Uh, yeah, so fucking Kuma Kuma Kuma. That, that's, that's a thing that's out there. It's neat. Uh, moving on from that. Uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm. Okay, this one I've actually heard of, but I've never read it. Yeah, this one is interesting. Uh, so... Yeah, so fucking bookworm in the real world. Uh, she ends up dying and then gets transported into the body of a dying child. Bleak. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so this kid has is living in you know, a medieval-ish, like like you know, fucking fantasy thing. Um, there is light magic around, like okay. a like a magic contracts and uh, like doors and stuff that will open for magic. But it's not like people are like flinging spells and shit. Uh, also, the literacy the literacy rate is incredibly low, and so that's the most realistic part. Yeah, and books are a precious commodity that is only owned by the nobles. So yep. this person, whose entire life revolves around books, is now in a world where she literally cannot get books. Okay. 
And so her whole goal then becomes, I'm going to invent the fucking printing press so people can have books. And essentially begins the process of making paper. Like, she's, like, like her, she goes through like a few different plans where like she tries to make like Sumerian tablets almost. But those keep getting destroyed over and over again. Um, she, and then, and then like she gets help from somebody and begins, and begins the process of making paper and like papyrus and shit. And then while all this is happening, she is also just kind of inventing ease of use products like fucking shampoo. And, and like, as the, as it's progressing, um, she is still sick this entire time. Just every once in a while, the fever will flare up and she'll just be useless for a couple days. Okay. And she begins forming this relationship with a friend of her and her sisters where his whole thing is, I want to be a merchant, but with the way that this world works, merchants aren't citizens. Like, like basically there are these walled cities where if you are a citizen, then you are fucking like have rights and everything in there. Once you become a merchant, you don't belong to any city. So you're able to travel the world and see all the shit, but you don't get the fucking benefits of being a civilian or a citizen of a city. And so everyone is kind of very much against him becoming a merchant ever. But she's like, no, dude, fucking you help me. I will help you become a merchant. I am getting, I'm, I'm making fucking roads here, dude. Because she is one of the few people in the world who can write and do basic arithmetic to the point where she is eight years old and working as the assistant of the captain of the guards. Yeah. Well, that's the power of literacy, no matter what anyone tells you. Yeah. But her sickness keeps flaring up. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, that, that is a debilitating problem. <laughs> yeah. And it's especially debilitating because it is a disease that is connected to her emotions. So when she gets like angry or frustrated or something or sad, then the, then the fever kicks back up. And oh, it's a plot disease. I hate those. Yeah, it is a plot disease that is also affecting basically everything going forward where she will be dead in the next year unless she literally sells herself to someone rich. Oh, goody. Those are always fun. Yeah. Uh, but while she is doing this, while this is all happening, she is also becoming a merchant, making products that are useful to the world and making from the real fucking bank. Yeah. While also helping her friend become a merchant, like 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 get get, get apprenticeship at as like, at like stores and shit, and having real fucking inroads in this stuff, and that is that is the most interesting stuff about this. Just seeing this, seeing this dying child, this Make a Wish kid, become like one of the most intelligent and useful people within their within their own society, and just yeah. see and seeing her basically decide to die so that she can keep living and being herself. Yeah. That's that's darker than the uh, image I've seen of this series floating around would suggest. Oh no. Yeah. Like the series itself is like very cute. Like, like her, like the child, like the character, um, I believe your name is mine. She is adorable. And the kids are all, and all the kids are drawn uh, very much like anime kids, uh, very wide, very wide eyed. It's like, ah, I'm gonna go do this. And like, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of very like cute artwork and stuff kind of like thrown throughout this of like the S of, like the SD stuff and different reaction shots. But it all does have this very harrowing and dark overtone of 
oh yeah, these are peasants in a in a feudal and a fucking medieval society. Yep. And it's interesting. Like, like there's there's even this idea that's been brought up in the series. That's interesting. Like there's even this idea in the series brought up that the that the bookworm that took over mine was actually brought there by the fever that she has. Huh. Yeah, like, there's there's a point in the series uh, where the main boy that she's been hanging out with, he realizes that she's not who she who she says she is. Because he'd known her for years, and then all of a sudden she comes in and, hey, I want to learn how to read. I can do math. I'm doing this. I know what these are. I can do this and this and that. And she's and he like kind of puts two and two together and goes, who the fuck are you? And then she just explains to him what happened. And he just, he'd ask like, hey, are you the disease? And she doesn't know how to answer that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, so there's like a lot of interesting things happening with this. And it is an East Sky series that I, like this is the off-kilter shit I'm into. Yeah, sounds like it. Because not only is this not what you would expect the East Sky story to be about, it's also not an isekai world you would expect because most of these isekai worlds, they go for the game shit. They go for like JRPG yeah, setting. Kind yeah. Of. There's a demon Lord out there and a hero has got to go stop him. Will you be that hero? But this is a bad enough dude to take down the demon Lord. Exactly. But this is, Hey, you're going to use your, you're going to use your isekai powers to make a book before you die. Maybe. That's fucking neat. I have really been enjoying this. Uh, it does. I think it's on like a monthly update schedule, so that's been kind of a drag. Uh, and also, there also I've seen a bunch of solicitations for sequels to this book that hasn't stopped publishing yet. Oh, that's fun. So I think this is like a light novel adaptation where, like, the light novel has a couple of volumes out, and so the sequel series are adaptations that have been announced of the next volume. Oh, joy. So that's a whole fucking thing. But yeah, this is fucking really cool. I have been really digging this, and I am glad I kind of fell onto it. Cool. Uh, another one that I kind of fell onto that I have been surprisingly digging uh, has been This Time I Will Be Happy. That sounds dark. It's kind of not. So the it kind of is kind of isn't so this so the idea of this series is that our main character, um, I'm actually gonna look up her fucking name because I want to goddamn talk about this properly. Da, 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 da. Uh, Louisa, yeah. So uh, Louisa is a woman living in a fucking fantasy world as a demon lord and shit, but she has memories of her past lives. Okay. And within every one of those past lives, she was the lover of the hero who went off to go defeat the Demon Lord. But every time he went off to go defeat the Demon Lord, he ended up falling in love with someone else and leaving her behind. Uh, yeah. And so it happened over and over and over again. And in her current life, she is also the childhood friend and lover of the hero. And so once he says, hey, I'm going to go off to defeat the Demon Lord. She then immediately packs up her shit, moves to the capital, and tries to make a life for herself independent of the independent of being related to the hero at all. 
Cool. Yeah, she joins a she like joins a bakery um, or like some kind of like seamstress place or something like that, and then she just tries to establish her life there, but. She keeps being dragged back into the hero because this time around the hero actually does stay faithful to her. And huh. she just kind of get, begins getting dragged more and more into this shit uh, as essentially everyone in a position of power that that was a that was an ally of the hero is like, hey, you should break up with him. You're not good enough. And so she's largely stayed with him out of spite to them. Okay. Because while she did love him growing up, she has gone out on her own and has been like, you know, independent and stuff and started to develop a life. And then the hero comes back and, and the hero Graham comes back and is like, hey, let's get married. And she's like, uh, I don't know if I want this. And so it's largely been staying just out of out of like feeling bad for the feeling bad for Graham and wanting to like not hurt him because he is like a decentish, a decent enough guy, but also having to deal with everyone else who doesn't want her, doesn't want her dating the fucking hero of the land. Meanwhile, she has been slowly getting memories back of a life that she hadn't known about up till now, which is where this series turns from a reincarnation story into a secret backdoor isekai story. Okay. Where she is, it's been revealed recently that that uh, she has been the fucking reincarnated soul of the original person summoned to defeat the demon lord, and that's kind of why she's kept fucking going to these heroes. She's the only, she's kind of the only one with the power to destroy the demon lord's soul, but she keeps passing on. But she, but like originally she had passed on the power, like like all the fucking hero shit. To another person, with the exception of the ability to kill the demon lord forever. So the demon lord keeps fucking coming back up. So a new hero goes out, and she keeps getting involved with it because of weird soul shit. And it has been really good. Like a, like a lot of the uh, like like a lot of the getting drawn into like the more political side of things and the hero shit has been recent. But up until then, it's just been a very lighthearted, but with but without a certain amount of pathos story about just a woman trying to make a life for herself in a world where she is so intrinsically tied to the hero. Yeah, fair enough. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, just seeing her like she, she's actually gone on a couple of dates with people of just, of just other people out in the world and been like establishing relationships with them and seeing all of that begin to fucking click together with everything that's happening. That has been really neat. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, I would highly recommend the series. Um, it was a real surprise to me that I actually ended up enjoying it as much as I did. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Uh, then, moving on from there, some non-isekai stuff. Alright. But I'll probably be thinking with the two things that are close to isekai stuff. So, first up, fucking one of the worst titles I've seen in a while. The Sorcerer called the Countless Sword Sorcerer. That's a tongue twister of a title. Yup. And it's a fucking weird book. It is two chapters out so far. And our main character is the most isekai motherfucker ever. 
just this personalityless bland of wood who's really good with a sword. But his whole thing is that he uses he's a swordsman. He uses magic to control infinity swords. And everyone's like, what the bitch? He's a sorcerer. Get him. I'm not a sorcerer. I'm a swordsman. Oh my God. How's he using swords? And the whole plot of this thing seems to just be him trying to parent a pair of twins that he found in the woods. Because in this world, if you are born twins, if you are a twin, you are considered basically the spawn of Satan. Like, not bad enough to be killed, but bad enough to be beaten, treated like shit, and then sold off to multiple people for slavery. Eh, it's, it's two chapters. It's just kind of nothing. Yeah, I'm actively losing interest as you explain. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so moving on from that, uh, fucking Mike Dars and that's Rank Hero. Oh, so you caught up on that or just finally wrecked? I caught up on it and it finally started updating again. Like it fucking took it with this weird like three month hiatus and now it is actually back in and fucking updating again. God damn it, it's so good. I have really been enjoying this and like reading up on people actually talking about it. It has been it has been neat uh, hearing what people like pull from the like hearing what happened to the light novel and just kind of comparing it to what's happening right now because this doesn't have a wiki, so I'm not able to fucking spoil myself on it. So I let other people spoil it for me, and there's some interesting shit that's going to be happening. And, like, a plot has actually begun to happen, too. Like, the biggest complaint with those first couple chapters was just, okay, how long is this joke going to go? She wants to go see her dad, but, oh, no, some bad thing happens. Meanwhile, her dad's just sitting there like, I wonder when my daughter's going to be coming home. Ooh, how long is that going to last? That last 10 chapters. And then it progresses. Which I did not expect and I thoroughly appreciate. Yeah. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, and the I, thing. I loved, I loved how. Uh, when he went to Hero and he, he was like, I was an E rank schlub when I was a hero. Why would they be oppressed by me? having raised the fact an S rank hero. And then he kind of just completely by accident, super impresses them until his daughter starts acting like a 10 year old again. No, he, that's the thing. He doesn't accidentally impress them. He just straight up impresses them. Yeah. But like from what his perspective, what he did was not impressive. So for him, it is accidental. Yeah. For him, it's accidental, but for literally everyone else, it's like, wait, fucking what? How, how did you do that? That What the shit, dude? And from what I have gathered, uh, this is maybe a spoiler, maybe not. I don't really know. I don't know if you would care. But... I don't. But yeah, so the what I have gathered from people who have read the light novels, the basic idea is that Belgrieve had, had and has the potential to be an S-ranked hero. He just fucking... He just fucking got shit luck by having a random encounter with basically a demon lord in one of his early days. Okay, fair enough. I've I've encountered that problem in RPGs before. Yeah, he he essentially just accidented into a high into a too high tier area while having the potential to reach the level of his daughter. 
and the fucking other big ass name people. Okay. Which explain which explains, you know, why he is as good as he is. Like, yeah, it's all simple shit, but if you have good control if you have good control of the basics, you have good control of the fucking world, basically. Yeah. Also, the daughter's continued uh, childishness when it comes to her father never ceases being funny. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> to just be getting in, just like uh, they get into a little sparring session when they get a little sparring session to essentially for her to prove to her friends that her dad is awesome, and so he fucking beats her, and she immediately reverts back to fucking twelve. She immediately reverts back to twelve-year-old mode of just how oh, you hit me, hold me. What you're fucking an adult. Stop it. This is not cool. Hold me. All right, fucking fine. And yeah, like, and then we also have a plot that's actually be happening where it seems like some demon shit's going down and like they're developing a real presence and they're building up to something happening. Which I did not think the series would do. But the fact that it is, is cool as hell that I actually get to read this series and enjoy a story with it. Because character-wise, tone-wise, art-wise, it has been great up until now. It just has been the actual story that's been the sticking point for me. But that has been alleviated with these last couple chapters. And I can't wait to see where this goes. This is going to be neat. Yeah, I'm still really enjoying it. That's one of the... Because it's not an isekai, it just kind of feels like normally this story would be an isekai, but it's not. It's yeah, just no, a straight it's just, fantasy story. Yeah, it's a straight fantasy story. And that is honestly the most refreshing thing about it. Just, yeah, there's magic and like classes and ranks and stuff. But that's just the world. No one's going to come in and fucking slap your fucking tits off of like, hey, I'm here to shake shit up. It's just, no, this is the world. Deal with it. And I was like, okay, yes, good, thank you. Uh, then, final fantasy thing I have to talk about. Uh, the Whimsical Cursed Sword. So this is a fantasy comedy series. Basic idea, so plot. Um, the world was your typical RPG fantasy world until... All three forces, the fucking people, demons, and then the higher-ups were just like, hey, let's not fight and instead just kind of live. And so then it turned into this anachronistic world where everything is still built like a rustic old village, but people have smartphones and TVs and shit. And then one day while going out in the woods or whatever, uh, this fucking 14-year-old girl who lives alone with her brother brings back a fucking like soul caliber fucking demon sword. I was like, yo, check this shit out. And it's kind of hangs out with it. It's cool and stuff. Act like it's like, yo, watch this cool trick. Tries to suck out her brother's soul. Her brother's like, what the shit are you doing? It's largely just fucking ridiculous world. Straight man reaction. Yeah, but it's been fun. Uh, the sword actually develops personality and is pretty funny. Uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a kind of thing where I will like read it every once in a while, like not super follow up on it and just go like, ah yes, that's a funny then to go on with my day. But the strangest thing about it is that the artwork is like super high detail, which doesn't really 
it's it's weird. Like the art, like the artwork is incredibly detailed with like insane backgrounds. The amount of detail on the sword when it goes like full demon shit is ridiculous. The character models are all like very like not not photorealistic, but like very grounded and feel very solid. But then seeing it have like the fucking bug out eyes reaction is a bit weird. And, like when the sword gains personality, it essentially loses all detail on it. I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a strength and a weakness for the series of just the artwork is too the artwork is incredibly good, but it is a kind of too good for the tone of the story. That's always a shame. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, this just seems like a the very like a very light every once in a while read just kind of whatever. Uh, it's funny, but not. Like, so funny that I'd be like, yes, you should definitely check this out. If, if anything that I've said sounds interesting, maybe check it out. Whatever. Uh, then, final thing that has nothing to do with any kind of fantasy, whatever, anything. Uh, I started reading Kaiji, uh, Gambling Apocalypse. Yeah. That, from what I've heard of that, that sounds like something you would enjoy. Uh, yeah, and I've been enjoying it so far. Um, I'm still in the first arc, essentially. Yeah, it's going to get weirder. Yeah, uh, but from what I've seen, like it get that gets weirder, but it still stays grounded in the world that it is set up. And no, it doesn't it it doesn't break its own rules from what I'm aware. I yeah, and like it actually has stakes. Oh yeah, beyond just gambling. Yeah, like I, I saw the like the first time I ever heard of the series was um, from Mother's Basement in one of his videos about Kakaguri. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's, it's kind of been like kind of sitting at the edge of my radar for a while, and I finally decided to bite the bullet and get into it. And like, fucking, yeah, like this is a gambling series. Yeah. Not like the fucking Kakaguri shit where it's just, hey, watch this fucking lady it's, get progressively horny. Fan service with like weird shit happening in it. Yeah, no, this is like employing game theory and thinking like, like, actual bluffs and actually like working your opponents and shit. And that is while it is incredibly wordy as they try to explain their logic, it is still wholly engaging. And like, I could not imagine writing a thing like this, like just with the amount of complexity and with the amount of, with the amount of things you have to think when developing this. So, the idea with like the, at least the first arc is our main boy, Kaiji, uh, he is, he spends a lot of his time kind of just gambling with his friends and his friends always beat him. He always loses the gambling. Uh, but then one day uh, he, he gets fucking contacted by this guy who essentially is calling in a loan that he used to, that he co-signed for a buddy of his, that his buddy defaulted on. He's like, Hey, you owe us millions of yen. So here's the thing. You can either go, have you can you can either leave this building right now and get the interest and start paying it off slowly. You will be paying it off forever until you're eventually moved in with your parents and your parents are paying it off for you. Or you get in this boat one night, one game, again one one round of gambling, and you could be you get away scot free, or end up in a debtor's prison. I'm sorry, not debtor's prison, a debtor's slave camp. Your choice. He obviously chooses, yeah, let's fucking gamble one night. Let's go. So he gets to the ship and gets onto this fucking gambling boat and the game 
is pretty simple. Each person on the boat has a little patch with three stars on it. And they're given a and they're given an envelope with a number of cards in them. Each card has, you know, the same number of rock, paper, and scissors. What you do is you have to go play rock, paper, scissors with people. If once you uh if you you fucking place a card down on the table, and the other guy plays a card down, and then once that's happened, the bet's locked in, you then lift it up, whoever wins gets a star from that person and deposits their cards in a box. Any cards used can't be used again. And and then it just kind of and then it just goes from there of thinking about the psychology of rock, paper, scissors, the way that people use their cards, the way those cards will eventually even out in the fucking spread because there's like, because there's a like ticker thing above that's like keeping track of every card that is played and every card that's still in circulation. And so just watching this insane labyrinthine logic that these people that fucking Kaiji and their gamblers use to try to game the system and try to get themselves in the best position possible, even when incredibly far behind and it being actual gambling with actual sense behind what's happening and for real stakes. That is the fucking coolest shit. And for what I've seen, like I've seen like a uh, covers of volumes to follow Kaiji fucking loses fingers and an ear and shit. And it just gets fucking real heavy, real fast. And that is the thing that's kind of keeping me going with this. Like it's like with like I, I with with these like very like word intensive stories like this. I have I have a tendency to kind of get burnt out on burnt out on them because it's just so much reading where I'm almost reading a book. But with this, there's just like there's enough happening in panel to interest me, and I know that there's gonna be stuff happening going forward that's gonna be super fucking cool to me. Yeah, this series is really fucking good. The only real downside I can say for it is the artwork isn't super great. Like it's from what I've seen of the Kaiji artwork. I can't believe it. this sounds weird, but it seems like a slightly better animated take on something like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, kind of. Like, I don't know why that's what I think of. Maybe it's, it's the, the noses. It's the noses yeah. is what gets you. Yeah. Like every character has a very angular face with a very, with a very pronounced triangular triangular nose. Uh, everyone's face is made up, like everyone's body is made up a lot of like geometrical shapes and stuff. They don't look like real people, which really contrasts with like the backgrounds and the sets and stuff because all those are drawn very well. So just these like very well drawn, very detailed backgrounds with like near equivalents of like detailed stick men walking around on them, which is it's just a very weird juxtaposition there that I'm not super into. But it eventually just kind of melds together and begins to work after you read it for a while. It's a does he, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hurdle you need to get over, kind of like you Hawk Show. Yeah, fair enough. Once you do that, I think you'll be able but, to find which it. Which is why I prefer to watch the anime for Yu Hawk Show than to read the manga, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, so if you get a chance to actually check out Kaiji, I 
would very much recommend it if you like if you're interested in any kind of gambling stuff or any kind of like just game series. Uh, this one, this one's got legs, which of course it does. It's fucking going on for a while. It went on for a fucking while, and it's still very popular. Oh, but anyway, that's all I got. Fuck, I'm hungry. Well, uh, I do have some stuff to talk about. I'm probably going to blow through them faster than I intended just to keep this relatively, but... Uh, we, hadn't, we haven't, we haven't talked in a fucking month and a half, dude. No, I know. So anyway... Um, all right, so let me blow through the stuff I have less to talk about. So a new anime season started while we were gone. Uh, it, yes. It uh, yeah, you can find a bunch of reviews from Korra up of, of like a bunch of the shit out there. Yeah, so I'm gonna blow through some of those that I, I, I did. Uh, I did not expect the blowout for this season to be fucking Mao Sama retry. Yeah, I I know nothing about that one. He explained it to me, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's 100 fair. It is largely generic isekai. Yeah. Okay, so uh, blow through the stuff I have less to talk about. Um, uh, how heavy are the dumbbells that you lift, or as I like to call it, how much can you lift, brah? Yo, brah, you fucking bench? Yeah. What you said. Which is an entirely four-coma-style slice-of-life comedy series complete with, like, proper exercise workout routine protocol complete with a gym coach who looks like Kenshiro. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or like, what's what's his name from One Punch Man? Body guy? Uh, f- fucking the prisoner or the black guy? The black guy. The guy whose whole thing is my body is so perfect I don't need to fight. Uh, fuck, I'm... It's like shimmering dark alloy or something? Something to that effect, but it's... One of the lingering jokes of this one is just that the guy who looks like a typical isekai protagonist when he takes his shirt off looks like Kenshiro. And the world, and it, it's, it, to, I guess to add to the jarringness of it, the main character, the, the guy keeps his normal head with the Kenshiro body so it looks like they posted an isekai hero's head on a Jojo body. <laughs> Which never ceases to be funny. Yeah. And Cora and I have been annoyed. Well, Cora less so. I've been annoyed at how annoyingly catchy the theme song is, which essentially amounts to muscles, muscles. I love my muscles. <laughs> Just for a minute and a half. Yeah, I have been. I've seen this kicking around. Like I've seen images of this um, in like image sets and stuff for uh, for the manga. I've been thinking of getting into this, and I' not a hundred percent sure why. Um, it's it's very so far. I've been laughing at it. Uh, it. Part of it is it's from the same production group that made a favorite slapstick comedy anime of mine, uh, Gekkon Show. Uh, Weekly Shoujo Nozaki-kun. Oh, yeah, you talked about that before. Yeah, where the premise of that was that 
a guy who has no understanding of romance writes a very popular shoujo manga and stupidity ensues. Yes. And uh, so the hero's name, uh, S rank number 11, uh, is Super Alloy Darkshine. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, the production values are fine. I mean, I I don't really go to Four Comas for astonishing production values, so I was not sure if I was expecting much, but it works for what it does. Uh, there's some body shaming early on that seems to go against the central conceit of the show. That seems dumb, but maybe it'll be addressed by that character being one of the main characters going forward. Yeah, maybe. Um still weird to lead with that if you're an exercise-focused show. Yeah, maybe, maybe just like uh, Japan doesn't have like the same ideas about body shaming as we do over here, so it's like an exercise thing. Hey, are you ripped? Why not, you bitch? Yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's fine. I found it funny. It's very much a mi- your mileage may vary series. Uh-huh. But I'm enjoying it. Alrighty. Alright. Uh, next thing that I hope there's more pe- more other people will say about it than me, but you and I have said enough about it because we love it so much. Um, uh, Kanata no Astra, or Astra Lost in Space. Yes, yeah. I, I don't think Cora's written up anything on this one. No, he... I'm working on it because literally Cora, well, in addition to the fact that Cora did so many, what he basically told me at the end, beginning of the season, which kind of made me sad as he looked at it, said, yeah, I'm not interested in that at all. Oh, <laughs> but it's good. Yeah, but is, is I the, can kind of anime good. Yeah, actually. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> it's that, that's why I said I have very little to say about this. Uh, Studio Lurch is not failing it on the animation front. The characters stay on model. There's it. You get the, the scope of some of the ideas and the action. I think what turned Korra off is that it's just very basic in that it's not really all that interesting plot wise. It's more just about how well developed these characters are. Uh-huh. And while there are twists to the plot later, Early on, you wouldn't see any of that. It really just seems like a we're lost in space and trying to get home story. It doesn't get to the twisty stuff till like maybe the end of the second volume of the manga. Okay, yeah, that is that is fair. Yeah, like I, I guess yeah, like us having previous experience with it, probably a lot more interested and excited for an anime adaptation of it than Korra would be. Yeah, and I think another problem. Uh, it's just weird that this came out like everything about this, this series just baffles me that like, we didn't even hear about it until it had all come out in Japan and been canceled and then started coming out in the States and then got a a anime release. I was like, what world are we living? Yeah. Two years after the series ended. Hey, let's give it an anime. That's just weird. uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's annoying to watch right now because it's owned by Funimation and Funimation has severed their uh, streaming ties with uh, Crunchyroll. And I kind of abjectly refuse to use Funimation's own streaming service because it's awful, despite the fact that they have Sony money. They have never fixed what they consider a good streaming service. Yeah. 
So be sure to check out our commentary. Be sure to check out our anime club for my first girlfriend is a gal streaming available on the Funimation streaming service. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to plug when I, I can. I, I both love and hate Funimation. <laughs> yeah, like they have, they have, they do some quality work. Just that, that quality work is only available through shit. Yeah, they have they do quality work because they're the biggest game in town. They have the best, the most money, and the most locations to hire the right people to animate and direct stuff. It's just they're not very discerning with what they distribute, <laughs> or at least they did seem to be. It's like the YouTube of anime. Ugh, I don't really want to make that comparison, but it's not unfounded. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I was looking forward to this. I I know Deadman doesn't watch anime, but he was hoping it would at least not I, suck. I I occasionally watch anime. Yeah, but um, I mean, I haven't watched all of it yet. I have have it to keep up, but yeah, I mean, it's a this is like comfort food anime for me. Okay, so. I'm, I'm glad, and I like the manga a lot, so I'm glad it's good. I will write something up with when, I, when I have time. It's just so much has happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hey, so interesting thing that I didn't know uh, from the same director is School Live. Yeah, which uh, exists. <laughs> I enjoyed the two and a half episodes I watched of it. Yeah. It's- Cora and I have differing opinions on that show. Like, he showed me the first episode of that, expecting it to blow my mind when it got to the reveal. And I was like, I essentially pulled a Saitama. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a mind blow kind of thing. Just kind of, oh, that's what they're doing. Okay. Yeah, but he, he was just so convinced that I would be shocked and amazed at the genius reveal of oh no she's just crazy and they're zombies oh my god ignoring the fact that a i've seen um the uh, fight club before and b i'm sick of zombies <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair <laughs> they did kind of come out in like the tail end of like three solid years of zombies yeah it's like to the point where when the Walking Dead series first came out, it was like, oh my god, that's not like the greatest comic ever. This series is going to be amazing. And now every new season, they release, I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Zombieland 2, Double Tap, coming soon. You see that trailer? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. It's like, oh. Wow, that looks not good. No, but that's what happens when you come back to a, 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 a sequel ten years later with Clearly, based on that trailer, no one wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. They they had all moved on to other things, and then, and then I guess the people making it were like, "Okay, how about we add two zeros?" I'm like, "Fucking fine." Like, but this is the movies podcast, anyway. Yeah. So, moving on. Uh, let's see. I'm going through the, the new anime list to see what I have and have not seen. Uh, I'm going to save that one for last because it's actually, no, I should save it for last because we're going to talk about the series. Uh, I have to talk about a shitting series at the end. Um, Fire Force is good. 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I fell off the manga in this like couple dozen chapters, and I started picking it up again after the anime came out. Yeah, but it was fun talking about it with Korra because I hadn't thought about it when I was watching it, but he did make an interesting point that uh, I'm glad he the way he described it is I'm glad this is more grounded than the writer's last series Soul Eater. <laughs> And like the, the series is still weird because its central premise is people with firepowers are firefighters who stop people who burn stuff down via spontaneous combustion. That's an anime as fuck premise. Yeah. But it's still less ludicrous than Soul Eater got, either the anime or the manga. Because the anime had. The anime wrote itself into the corner of, look, uh, we've written it extensively that. Death God Kun cannot leave this city. So, but we need Death God Kun to help win this final battle. So it's like, okay, we'll have Death God Kun literally have the city dr- sprout legs and walk to the final fight. Sounds about right. Soul Eater. Yeah. And the manga ended with a fight literally on the moon where as part of the fight, they knocked one of the moon's teeth out where Cora and I are like, you know, there's sometimes something should just be like a visual flair moment, not actually literal. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but <laughs> the thing I just kind of like with this series, kind of right out the bat, I really like the author's artistic style. Yeah, well, I mean, I like the author's artistic style for Soul Eater, but he's toned it down a little bit and made it a little less art deco. <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah, but like, like character design-wise, he has always been a very distinct voice within the manga and anime scene. And so just kind of getting that back has been a really... was the thing that really drew me to this series initially. And yeah, having the much more grounded storyline... Um, or I guess... Like, not, not grounded so much... Uh, restrained storyline. Yeah, like... Held in check. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just like, like taking all of that creative energy and the idea and like his, his artistic styling behind soul eater and just like turning it down from 11. Yeah. Which was smart. Yeah. Sit, yeah. This is sitting around like a solid six. So, you know, a little bit beyond a little bit beyond board, but still like, Within reason, within reason, which I'm totally down for. I still really enjoy this. Uh, I I get that this guy has a thing for people with shark teeth. Yeah, it's a aesthetic choice he always makes. Yeah, but I like the way this implement. I actually really like the impl- way it's implemented here, and the way that it, like informs a lot about how people view the character. Because, uh, like, our main guy, uh, Shinra, I think is his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he he has, like, the shark teeth and stuff, and his flame power is he can set his feet on fire and use that to get super speed and fucking powerful kicks and stuff. But in doing so, it leaves, like, it leaves, like, charred footprints wherever he walks, and whenever he is put into a situation where he feels, like, nervous or anything, he smiles this very, like, wide, toothy smile. And so people... And like with his backstory where there was a fire at his house that killed his mom and brother or did it. And so he has, you know, flame powers on his feet 
and whenever anything bad happens, he gets a smile. So it's him standing. So there's this visual of like him standing outside of his house, crying with this massive grin on his face. Well, everyone's just like talking about him as like calling him the devil. That is cool. I like. I really like that. Is I really like that for character beats. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I have nothing really bad to say about it, just other than it's probably going to be a while before the rest of the series comes out. Yeah, for I'm, reasons we'll talk about later. But oh, yeah, I'm not super a fan of his rival. I don't know if you've met his rival yet. I don't think so. I don't remember. Yeah, his name is Arthur. Yeah, I don't remember what the Western name. He uses he uses a, yeah, he uses and a, a uh, love interest. Yeah, he uses a plasma sword, and okay. he calls himself a he calls himself the King Knight, and talks about chivalry and shit. <laughs> of course, he does all <sighs> the time. Never shuts up about it, and it is you get it. Very annoying. Anyway, uh, moving on. Got a couple more to get through. I'm gonna. Save the two biggest garbage fires for last. Yay. <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of in poor taste. Okay, yeah, this one I have almost nothing to say about other than that it exists. Uh, Copcraft. <laughs> yeah, I... What was this one again? Uh, to quote Cora, what if Rush Hour starring Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker was an anime? Except instead of an Asian guy and a black guy, it's an Asian guy and a fairy. Right. Yeah, that. Is it weird to say that like that sounds not interesting, but the upcoming live action series about a cop and a fairy teaming up to solve crimes called Carnival Row sounds interesting? I don't know. I <laughs> uh, I was just kind of baffled by this thing's existence, so I gave it an episode to see if it would do anything weird. It didn't. It's which in itself so, is kind of weird. Yeah, it's so boilerplate. It's it's better executed than last season's weird anime about mystical stuff in a seemingly normal world, uh, which apparently is coming back for another season. I think. Uh, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It, whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like this is like so. For those who don't care, who know. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't care. This, yeah. I Freudian slip. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> so in this world, um, a gate to other dimensions opens up in Japan. But so a different course, gate than the one from Gate. Yeah. And also the majority of. Uh, the transit is into our world, not into the other world. So at least based on what we see, uh, our main character, um, was, I, I think we're supposed to believe that he fucked up the situation involving his partner that got him killed, but it's so ludicrous. that I'm like, okay, so the plot fucked up his character and now we're just expected to go along with it. Ooh, He's a loose cannon. Yeah. And so the the crime that he was in char- that got his partner killed that's got him fucked up involved um illegal trafficking of fairies for weapon usage because that's a thing. So sure. As part of that um 
as for the sake of diplomacy, a fairy comes through to help with the case. In this case, uh, a literal queen of the fey realm. You know, royalty does a lot of cop work. Yeah. You know, there was a murder in England. Fucking Queen Elizabeth just fucking gets her clock out and goes like, there's a ghost. Super capricious, easily bored fey queens. I don't know much about the fey, but I know I would never want to bore any of the fey queens. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, they... They may just... It may just kill you. Or infinitely worse. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it's fine. It's there. It's neither good nor bad. It exists. Yeah, I feel like it might be more i don't know if, i don't know if this would be more interesting or just more of a joke but not a very good joke if it actually was like a full-on buddy cop thing like an anime directed by brett ratner uh no more like an anime directed by john mctiernan oh so a competent buddy cop writer yeah like the, like the last action hero but anime yeah like, you're loose cannon, Kusakabe. Turn in your badge and your gun. What's the cartoon cat doing here? Yeah, it's like, I don't know, man. I'm here from a fucking Miyazaki movie. It's like, it's like, it's like hey, Kusakabe, you get, you get yourself a partner. It's like, I don't need no stinking partner. Well, tell that. To, yeah, well, how, how about you tell it to your new partner, Twinkle Puff over there? Let's get over to a fairy. So I says to her, I says. It's just everyone, every single cop is from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. It's just basically the happy time murders, but with fairies instead of Muppets. What's the... F- oh. Oh, I almost legit forgot what you were talking about until <laughs> I had to think about it. <laughs> that movie's not even that old, I think. No, it's not. It came out like last year. It did? <laughs> yeah, it was... It was it was in development forever, but it came out like not too long ago. I I vaguely remember it came out sometime. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the Happy Time Murders uh, came out August twenty fourth last year. Like, I, okay, <laughs> whatever. All right. So one last good thing uh, before I get to the two absolute craps. Um, oh, speaking of absolute craps, fuck this thing. Wow, this thing bombed. Oh, Happy Time Murders? Yeah, budget of around uh, 40 to 50 mil, worldwide gross of 27 and a half. Yeah, I can believe that, considering I legit forgot it came out. <laughs> yeah, it received six Golden Razzie nominations, for including Worst Picture and Worst Actress for Melissa McCarthy. Who won? Like, holy I don't know shit. enough about that movie to see if that's worth it. Although I think there might have been worse, better contenders for that last year. Oh yeah, well, worst picture last year went to Holmes and Watson. Oh well, that I remember being a a typically bad Will Ferrell garbage fire. So that's not surprising. Uh, yeah, uh, it was up against Gaudy, The Happy Time Murders, Robin Hood, and Winchester. Oh, Robin Hood. You uh, 
you entertain me with your <laughs> wrong-headedness. And Donald Trump won worst actor. Yeah, well, that's that's just politics because they discovered that uh, Donald Trump had starred in a movie. No, actually, like, he got worst actor for two documentaries he was in. Yeah, I and if I recall correctly, one of them is a documentary in the sense that it has footage of Trump in it. Uh, yeah, the two of them were Death of a Nation and yeah. Fahrenheit 11.9. Yeah, because, okay, so Fahrenheit 11.9, I think that's... Uh, that's a Michael Moore film. Michael Moore. The other one, this sounds like a Dinesh D'Souza project. It is a Dinesh D'Souza project. And that guy is a fuckhead, so... <laughs> yep, yeah, that's... Yeah, we'll get, anyway. to see, we'll get to see Melissa McCarthy in good company, I guess. <laughs> Holy shit. What the fuck? <laughs> so I didn't know what this is one of the categories. Um, worst screen combo. So the nominees were Kelly Preston and John Travolta in Gotti, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley in Holmes and Watson. Johnny Depp and his fast-fading film career in Sherlock Gnomes. Any two actors or puppets in the Happy Time Murders. And the winner, Donald Trump and his self-perpetuating pettiness. Yeah. I did. Uh, I don't care. I just find that funny. I will find Trump funny again when he's not president. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you have to live with them. Yeah, I don't. I just get to stay above and hope that the hope that when the nuclear hope that when the fucking nuclear radiation starts going, the winds are blowing south. Yeah. So anyway, uh, last good thing before the two schlocky shit things. Uh, one of which you this one you're familiar with. Uh, to the abandoned sacred beasts. Yes, yes, I have talked about this before on here. Uh, directed by Studio Mappa, so it looks good. Yeah. Even if uh, some of the monster designs don't really translate all that well, like the one who is a series of snakeheads on top of a human body that melt people with acid <laughs> or turn them into stone. I'm not sure which. A little yeah. column A, a little column B. Yeah. So... I can't tell if I, who would like this series other than you and me, because the first episode, it's like reading off a checklist of everything's going to be fine. Oh, God, where? <laughs> is that dog in the house that's on fire? Just, this is fine. Yeah, just about. And I mean, it's I like the I like the main character. I like the kind of. I know you mentioned drawing inspiration like aesthetically from the Civil War more than and like to some extent narratively, but not enough to really note it because it's kind of too broad to really make that comparison. Mm -hmm. But I like the aesthetic choices they're going with, even if they use it as an excuse to essentially have a Civil War era bar winch as one of the main characters. Yes, yeah, so I guess for those who don't remember, um, Man Sacred Beast talked about it here on here before. 
uh, there was a big old civil war in this con- in this fictional country, um, and one of the two sides uh, made genetically modified super soldiers to fucking get involved with this. Um, they were still people, uh, but they made a pledge to one another, essentially, that should any of them go crazy, the the others will deal with them. And essentially, all of them have gone crazy except for one. And so now he is essentially now he is basically on a quest to find all the other sacred beasts, as they were called, and take them out, as was his pledge before he dies himself. Along the way, he gets a cute little moppet who carries around a long ass rifle to help him. Yeah, bitches love rifles. Clearly wants to fuck him, but is so tiny. I don't think the physics of that works. But, nah, that's fine. It's like a Rottweiler fucking a Chihuahua. And like the first episode where they show you these monsters in all their glory assaulting a giant uh, southern the, the, the north, I think. Uh, I think the south are the good guys in this, which is weird since they're so pulling from the Civil War thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just imagining like, like an, I'm just imagining like an uppity New Yorker, just kind of going, just like like some fucking like uh, like the South will rise again. <laughs> no, just like oh yes, the North will rise again. Come, come, Reginald, we must away to the theater. <laughs> Meanwhile, down south, it's like you get, it's like you let that you pay that man a proper wage, man. Fucking Northern, fucking Northerners and the weird racist shit. Anyway, sweetie, half of yeah. the proper parade. We're so progressive yeah. here in Texas. That's yeah, just weird. But, um... <laughs> I mean, it's well-directed. Uh, it's good production design. And, like, you and I had talked about the story before. It's kind of a... It's a simple premise, but, like, they mine a lot of pathos out of it from how this guy interacts with who his former comrades and what this is doing to him. Yeah, it pulls a lot, uh, it pulls a lot from, um, like... It, it mines a lot out of, like, war brotherhood. Yeah. But in particularly the war that they're most drawing from the Civil War, where a few people came out and say, well, that came out quite well. Good good show, son. Good show. Whereas to the rest of the world, the Civil War was possibly the most brutal thing anyone had ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, Civil War got rough. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I this is one of the big... Um, standouts of the season to a lot of people, not just mean dead man. So I would suggest you watch it. Alrighty. And now for the shits. Aye, the shits. I'll get the more personal one out of the way first because this one, it's bad, but it's I'm mainly mad at it because I like the manga. Uh, so Ari Furita, uh, uh from Commonplace to World's Strongest. Yes, I have been reading this one too. Christ, this anime is bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me look up again who direct who's responsible for the direction of this thing. Uh, As you White like the- Fox. Wait, White Fox? Seriously? Yeah. Well, shit. On like a budget of a ham sandwich, apparently. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, it's a co-production between White Fox and a company called Azareed, who I don't know, but it's 
it should not look this bad. <laughs> like the story of, uh, so for those who know, don't know, and I can't blame you because this is kind of a buried in the isekai deluge. Mill. But uh, Ari Frita from Complace the World's Strongest is another isekai story, but this is the one where like an entire class of students gets sent to another world instead of just one. Our main character uh, is your kind of typical looking dopey isekai protagonist with he gets kind of a lame, not all that useful at first power. Yeah, it's basically and, just basically just like he can make shit. Yeah, it's like he's the I think the term is actually alchemist, I think. He's an so artificer. It, yeah. But um because of that, uh people of this world and of his own class shit on him in ways that are just kind of ludicrous. And early on, uh, in, during the first mission, we see him go on with his class. Uh, a what a seemingly misshot attack from a spellcaster lands him in the deepest parts of the dungeon they're in, which is where all the really bad monsters are. But he man and he gets his arm torn off by a demon bear. As you do, yeah. And he you know survives. bears. You know bears found a lot in subterranean layers. Yeah, but he has an item which allows him to uh, purge himself of toxins and uh, poisons. So in order to survive, he starts eating and drinking the flesh of the monsters down there, which would normally kill him if not for this thing he had acquired. Yeah, it was like like this crystal that uh, generates basically healing water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he starts... Even though he has survived the process, he starts slowly changing into an edgelord isekai protagonist. Yeah, because himself an eye patch, a robot arm, white hair, black trench coat, a gun. Yeah. Uh, annoying personality and a series of winches who want to bright his bone. First, a uh, all-powerful vampire sorceress, then a super strong bunny who... I guess it, she is a bunny because she wants to have sex and can jump high. Yes, and I would also like you to um, not forget to mention that the super powerful vampire sorceress looks like a seven-year-old. Yeah, yeah, undead lolly. And they have, the manga at least, gotten to the point where they are basically together. So it yeah. is, so it is. At least it's not on screen, but yeah, they've pretty much boned in the story already. Yep. And it's going to get even weirder when they, the, the third member of his winch team is a elder dragon who wants him to hurt her, hurt her more. Yep. Yep. He, I think he shoves a spike up her ass. Yeah. Like, like in their first encounter when she's trying to kill him. Yeah. He responds by giving her a prophylactic. Yep. And she's like, Oh, do it. It's like, Oh, daddy. And everyone's just like, yeah. what the fuck? And he's just like, I want to kill her. I want to kill her. And everyone else is like, hey, maybe no. Yeah. So, I mean, the story is not all that great. It's more just kind of buoyed along by, strangely, the interactions between these characters in the sense that the world that... Uh, well, so the twist on the premise, I guess, that is that the world that all the heroes from our the other world are summoned to save is maybe not worth saving. That it's like insane and governed by dumb, crazy gods, and that these 
six uh, rebels, I believe is a term that's given to them, or that these powerful magicians who are looking for ways to kill the gods have created these mazes where if you beat them, you can access their magic and maybe have a way to kill the gods. Yeah, it's been building up to our lead edge boy. Uh, the, the, like pretty much every arc is he goes to a dungeon with with his fucking ever increasing lolly harem, clears it, and then goes out and then goes out to have an interaction with the world before we went on the next dungeon. Yeah, uh, and the dungeons like mechanically have been at least slightly varied, but like aesthetically, they all look very repetitive. Yeah, and the monsters are not standing out that much either, unless they're like character monsters. Yeah, it is. It is this. It is this weird, like juxtaposition, like dissonance within this series, where like character actions are character interactions are very fun and have like a lot of energy and comedy behind them. Meanwhile, the rest of the series is like near dungeon seeker level of just fucking dark and gritty. Yeah, it's weird. It walks this line between like completely standard bog standard eats this kind of stuff and the more dumb dark edgelord shit like uh uh dungeon seeker which also ended and i don't care that it ended yeah it and, ended bad um, yeah and uh what's that one you're in, you're obsessed with that's not really all that good uh rise of a shield hero hey core made a burn on that one in the in the, in the in his review for uh this too Oh yeah, I actually vaguely remember reading that. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he was like, "This is how you make a sympathetic." Yeah, it's like, "This is how you make a sympathetic, down on his luck, fucking East guy hero, shield hero." I can't blame him for that because it takes so goddamn long for shield hero to make the main character stop just whining all the time. So early impressions of him are not good. Oh no! Like he is, he is an unrepentant asshole. Until like fifty chapters in, yeah. Which, and yeah, who, I I can't argue with that. Like that is like going back and occasionally like rereading the series. I have to like basically jump forward until the point where he starts to be able to being able to taste food again. Yeah, but I'm still really enjoying Shield Hero. It's still doing interesting things. Yeah. Uh, they are getting a lot more... They're starting to get more into, like, the multiverse side of things. Like, they just got to the... They're in the middle of the spirit turtle arc. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, back to this trash fire. Uh, <laughs> so, since you've been reading it, you know some of this. Um, I think a big problem with the with the source material is that that first arc before he meets the lolly vampire is really boring. Yeah, it's just kind of him talking about, hey, I ate all these monsters and now my hair's white. Yeah, so then they devoted two whole chapters to that. Two whole episodes. Ugh. Ugh. Wow, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, and and what, what, what buoyed you through that kind of in the manga, if you read it, was the, was the fight scenes. And, oh, you do not want to rest your laurels on these fight scenes. Like, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I now have a new lower standard for bad CG integration into traditional anime uh, because I didn't think it was possible to screw up 
having a bullet embed itself in a creature's head and cause an explosion, you know, like a blood splatter from the bullet going in the head. But basically, all we sh- we show him fire the bullet, and then we cut to a like an X-ray perspective where we see the bullet slowly and unconvincingly enter the head, and then just stop there, and then the monster just drops dead. Nice. It's like a it's like a it's like a Russian knockoff of Sniper Elite. Yeah. Just hello, welcome to hello, welcome to Elite Sniper. In this game, you'll be shooting with bullets. The realistic bullet physics. Watch. You hit brainstem and stop, like bullet do. Buy now on Steam. 1999. Yeah. And, uh... It also has crafting elements. Cut down three to yeah. make sniper. Yeah, and considering the amount of dialogue uh, that this series has... um. I've seen as much of these characters' lips move as I've seen yours. Nice. <laughs> like, it's been a while since I've seen the old anime shortcut of, we can't animate lips moving, so let's just show people's eyes shifting back and forth as meaningful conversation. Yes, every dialogue, every, every piece of dialogue is delivered either in a super close-up of the eyes or from a behind-the-back shot. Yep, just about. Yeah, they they, they do they do like no the shot. gesticulation, no movement, they, no showing the other person they're talking to. They do they do the shot reverse shot, but instead of it instead of it being like okay, the camera focuses on the guy who's talking, it focuses on the person who's not talking. Yeah, or like you're that that famous meme scene from uh, Citizen Kane where they just like they do that, but they focus on like the ear or something. Yeah, like. The, the least interesting part of the face that you could focus on is this was happening <laughs> because it's just cheaper and this is embarrassing. Yeah, just here's his hairline. Oh, no, wait. When, if you're straining like that, if you're straining to save Rosebud like that, you'd probably be moving any amount of your face. So it just focuses on like his stomach fat. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what are you feeling? Yeah, Three to five, like Cora. So <laughs> one and a half out of five, if I'm being generous. <laughs> like its story was not great to begin with. I like the like this part of this. I don't like this part of the story of uh, Ari Furuta. It gets better after the first arc. But on top of that, if your production values are this bad this early on, then you're leading with your worst foot forward. Yeah, I look forward to when they introduce Lolly Vampire, and it is literally just a, it is literally just like a fucking still image, like in JRPGs. Yeah, just about. That's all it is. They just cross between, and it's like cross or just like hard cut between her different emotions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, that'd be kind of great. That actually be pretty. That actually be pretty great. Like they like nothing is drawn like from the back of her. So anytime they show like the back shot of characters, it's still just her facing directly to camera, and only from the waist up because they didn't draw anything from the waist down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anytime she talks, the dialogue box pops up. 
Yeah. Oh, boy. You got to love bad production. Yeah. I mean, you got to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash no prods. And since like it's since like digital animation has made um essentially everything a certain like baseline level of good that most people can accept. At some point if you yeah, if you if you fall under that, then you're really fucking up. <laughs> yeah, if you're falling below the current standard, like good God, dude. What did just like get a fucking did you just pull a 3D model off of some like fucking stock website and then just I was like, "Oh, right, I'm gonna animate this." Do you not know animate? Kinda. Yeah. What studio fucking made this? Oh yeah, White Fox. Yeah, that, that that's the guy. Wait, what? White Fox? What? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking that is. That cannot be yeah, it's right. Astonishing that. Like, is it, is it just like, was it just like completely ass red and then like white fox, they're just going, hey, good job. I, I don't know. I, I'd have to look more into the like productive, like I will admit, um, okay. So I didn't, I forgot about this until just now, but an aspect of an aspect of why the production looks so bad may not entirely be the production staff's fault. Because there was a story recently where the manga creator um, complained to the production studio that he didn't like the character designs and the animation style for the series. So everything had to be scrapped and they had to start from scratch. And that was about maybe a month, a month and a half before the series was supposed to air. Yes, that kind of sucks. On the other hand, Asri is the studio that Asri is the studio that made uh, Mirai Nikki and Big Order. Which both look like shit. So, I think we know what to blame here. Yeah, I guess White Fox really was just sitting there. It's like, 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 the, like. It could have been White Fox was brought in to maybe fix Asreed's mistakes. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm just imagining Asreed as like a little like a like a seven year old or something. It's, it's like, hey, hey, dad, hey, dad, like, like, like running over to like his dad's friend or something. It's like, hey, hey, Mister, hey, Mister. Look what I made. Just hold up his macaroni or white fox just sitting there on their phone like, yeah, great job, kiddo. That belongs in the fridge. Why don't you go tell your dad? Runs over to the fucking like, like people like who actually put up the money for it or like her to be like airing it or whatever. It's like, hey, look at our thing. And they're just like, yeah, that's cool. Just, let's just fucking just pfft. slap on the fridge. Don't even look at it. It's a very absentee dad. And then white fox comes around. It's like, wait, you're actually doing that. Why? Look, I drew a house. It's a circle. I'm shitting way too hard in this company. Yeah. So anyway, now a now that a more personal uh, vendetta has been dealt with, now for just just a a baffling disaster. So um, Netflix did what? <laughs> Okay, so Seven Seeds is the anime. Uh, 
it, it's one of those Netflix things where it either comes out at the beginning of a production season or at the end of a prior one. Uh-huh. But it is listed as the previous season. Uh, this is falls into the latter category, and it's a disaster. Outstanding. And you can probably and it comes from good source material because it wrapped up its 16 year shojo run with critical acclaim and awards for uh, lifetime uh, quality for an ongoing series. And the end result was that Netflix decided to shit all over it by deciding to try to fit 17 years of ongoing storylines into 24 episodes of anime. That sounds doable. Yeah, particularly when um, you hire uh, the whipping boys of the old guard of anime productions, um, Gonzo. <laughs> like, there are some Gonzo anime I love and defend, but that was 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm just imagining it. I'm just imagining Gonzo and stuff like an animation studio. It's Gonzo from the Muppets. Yeah. It's, all right, Gonzo, you're going to make this anime series. All right, cool. Just let me get, just let me get loaded in my cannon. Ah! He just gets fired at it and lands and a copy of the manga. It just all explodes in blood. And he's like, yeah. yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Okay, so. <sighs> there's just so much bad. Like, I had to, like, ask people questions and, like, discuss ideas related to how bad this thing was because so as a backstory okay i guess i'll try to say the setup for this first so for those who don't know which i can't blame you for seven seven seeds is kind of not known that well out of japan um the basic premise is that a series of people were frozen uh in cryostasis it, it like there was a government plan in place that in the case of a coming apocalypse, grab these people and put them in cryostasis uh, to act as like the new Noah's Ark for the next generation after the apocalypse has passed. They don't tell you this in the anime until the middle of episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The first, at, like, you know how, uh, let's see, uh, the worst example you and Cora like to mention of badly burying the lead is um, uh, uh, Saga of Tanya the Evil. Yeah, yeah, that one was. Where yeah. it kind of like skipped forward in time in terms of the story and. Yeah, episode one was just. Told you ep- nothing about what was happening. Yeah, episode one was just like in Medias Res. Here's a story about this child fighting in fucking fantasy World War II, and it turns out they're evil. Then episode two is he hears the actual plot. Yeah. An asshole gets into a bet with God. Yeah. And I need yeah, to, this I is need to worse finish than that. that because it's not. Um, it's not in Medias Res. It literally starts from the beginning starting point of the story, but it basically just introduces 30 characters in the first episode <laughs> in little groups that all are doing other things different from each other with little asides to characters who will not be important for entire episodes. Oh my god. Complete with like giant insect attacks and badly animated 
gore from like saber toothed tigers coming back and dinosaurs. Good God. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, the character interactions probably worked better in the manga, but in this they play off as the main female character having to decide whether or not she's in love with a rapist. Mm. Because he's the only male that was ever nice to her. Uh. (sighs) Yeah. Fucking... Fucking what? Oh, and then there's the uh, Guardian Police. Who Ooh. are were, who were also frozen and set aside to guard the people of the Noah's Ark. Uh, but there's significantly less of them than uh, would seem originally, because there's apparently just one for each group, so there's seven, get seven seats. Uh so there's one cop for each group, but it was out of a group of 50 originally candidates. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this was one of the things I had to discuss with people. Apparently, they just did the plot of the series Rampa to, to wheedle out the other 43 to get down to seven. Wait, what? Like, they decided... So... You guys are all in school to be the best of the best. Kill each other. We'll wait. (laughs) And they also started taking too long, so the team started setting traps and poisons all over the school to kill until they got down to the seven they needed. And this seems to have served no purpose other than to make these cops so insane that they will occasionally use members of the seed groups as living bait for dinosaurs. There are dinosaurs? Yes. Why are there dinosaurs? Uh, Because apparently, as part of um, the Genesis project, the Noah's Ark project, I can't remember what it's called. The Um, Seven Seed Project? Yeah. That's just, I don't think that's what the, the project is called. It's just what the, the manga is called. Uh, they decided to do Jurassic Park as part of that. Just why? Yeah. I assume it makes more sense in the manga because it's not horribly condensed. Oh, and also there's Dog Jesus. But, which I don't mean a Jesus who is a dog. I mean, a, it's like Jesus. Who is surrounded by dogs and looks kind of like a bum. Yeah, sure. Well, no, I, so, it, so it is called Seven Seeds Projects. Oh, it is? Okay. Yes. All right, that makes a little bit more sense then. Yeah, it's just... <sighs> between the fact that... There's a fucking mosquito flying around I, my room. Yeah. I do want you to maybe look at the, art, the article I posted from a and to, into the chat just to get a sense of what I'm you don't have to do it while we're talking about the show because I, I think just from what I'm saying you're getting a sense of why this is the garbage fire I saved for last I'm looking at some of the gifts in that thing and like yeah it looks bad yeah because as I told dead man last time I remember ta- doing a show with him on anime I legit didn't think Gonzo was still a studio yeah <laughs> 
Because even in their heyday, they were kind of made fun of for being incredibly bad at quality control. Like, even on their good anime, like Romeo Cross Juliet or, Mon- or Gankutsuo, the Count of Monte Cristo, they had quality control problems that were just baffling to watch. Particularly when you compared series they worked on with uh, other entries and franchises they worked on done by better studios, like how uh, the original season of Full Metal Panic was done by Gonzo Studios, but up every the uh, the subsequent two seasons were both done by Kyoto Animation. So I found Dog Jesus in the article. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This. Ah. Uh, it's a bizarrely interesting spectacle to watch, but there's no real, there's no true entertainment value in it. It's just a dumpster fire. So these gifts have they been edited at all? Uh, like in the article, did, like I, I haven't spent a lot of time like reading any kind of like Anna and stuff. Have they like done? So they, I'm assuming they do things like this like every once in a while. Like this is an actual like feature they do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the this this column is called "This Week in Anime." Yeah. So are the gifts? So are the gifts they post like? Do they mention it at all? Like they edit them for comedic effect or something? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I think they maybe just cut them. Like they may sometimes use gifts other people create, but okay. usually they just cut a few an inch, a second or two clip for a gif. Okay, yeah, because I'm looking at a gif and it, I I don't. It looks like it's it looks like it's missing frames or like the anim like the animation like speeds up and ramps in a way that not isn't supposed to happen. Oh yeah, no, that's the anime. Okay, that's what I was looking for cuz it's the it's the baseball thing. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, so just really wondering. Um yeah, so a group of fucking characters are hanging out in a fucking field and a saber-toothed tiger is running up on them. So they're like, "All right, yeah, so baseball." So guy fucking grabs a branch off of a tree. Gets another buddy of his standing somewhere to pitch a fastball at him. And as he does that, it looks like he's like missing in between animations. They just like fucking just went frame to frame. All right, wind up, middle of pitch, pitch release. And just that was three frames of animation that just happened. Yeah. Smacks it into the head of the fucking tiger that barely reacts, then cuts to a wide shot of it falling over, running away. And I can't work out the geography of this scene at all. Because from the looks of it, it appears that the tiger was rushing at the dude with the baseball bat. And the guy throwing the pitch was standing off to the side through the pitch at him perpendicular, but then he still managed to hit it the right way. Yes, that's what's happened. Um, oh, so fastball right down the middle is more a fastball to the side, like right here. Yeah. <coughs> that happens. Oh, I hurt. It's like, I was about to say, what part of dumpster fire do I need to specify to you? 
will excuse me for having a bit more faith in them. <laughs> excuse the bitch out of me for being an optimist. Which is weird. Like, of the two of us, I, you should really not be the optimist of the two of us. Help, my body is going numb as a dude's just sitting there eating from a pot. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Oh, it's fucking Christ, that water. Yep. I'm sorry about just reacting to images y'all can't see, but like... It's that Fuck bad. me sideways. This it's is... one of those... This is like King's Game. Yeah. Season 2 coming soon. Yeah, and speaking of... Cases. Speaking because, of, let's uh, fucking find somebody anime club coming soon. Yeah, because uh, this... This is a, a also keeping with the Netflix tradition of uh, binge and stop. Uh, they released 12 episodes all at once with no real idea of where to like, because it was just like cut in half. They had no idea how to narratively cut it off to make it like in any way satisfying as like a stop point. Hell yeah. So it literally just cuts off in medias race. Hell yeah, dude. Just middle of okay. sentence roll credits. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't go full Sopranos and just cut to black <laughs> in the middle of a scene. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just, they just they licensed Journey for one scene. It costs more than their entire animation budget. No, maybe that's why the animation was so shitty. They they were planning to do it, but they but they thought they had full 24 episodes before doing it, so they licensed Sopranos for they licensed Journey for the last episode. Episode 24, Don't Stop Believing is going to play. Yeah, this is... The shit show all over. This is a special kind of bad. (laughs) The kind of bad that I'm going to be sad I don't get to talk with you about as regularly. I will still torture you with them by just mentioning that they exist. Yeah. But, But... you will be spared the full torment of knowing of their existence because you will not be watching it play out. That's eh, fine. You get like a free hour. You just sit down, hop on Discord, and just talk about it. Yeah. Just I watch. Mean, just watch it together and just scream. Because like, I I kind of fight with myself as to what the worst anime Netflix has put out is. Because, like, none of them are good. It just won't end. Hero Mask 2, coming soon. Yeah, that's actually one of the better ones. They're, yeah, they're doing a second season. Yeah, and that one actually had the good graces to end on a decent note. <laughs> but it's just... I'm... I, it, just from the production elements to the plot adaptation, I am having trouble imagining something worse. I'm but not, I, but it's still pretty bad. Yeah, like the other real bad one is Sword Guy, the animation, but that's bad for different reasons. That's Sword bad. Guy. Woo. That's bad for, as I put it, you are nothing. You will always be nothing. You will never achieve anything. So yeah, that's my garbage fire for the night. All righty then. 
Uh, so with that, uh, we move on to news, and this is big, big. Well, yeah, one thing in news, and this is fucking massive news. Uh, so I want to get as many details about this right as I can. Let me pull up the article about it. So on July 18th of this year, uh, a man who I will not be naming. Uh, a bad man. Yes. Uh, set fire to the uh, Kyoto Animation Studio uh, in Kyoto, Japan. The fire, uh, which was one of the, which because of the events of it, uh, was one of the deadliest massacres in Japanese history since the end of World War II, and the deadliest building fire since the uh, Miyojo fi- 56 building fire of 2001, uh, resulted in the deaths of 34 people, with an additional 35 being injured. Uh, those, the people who have been killed have all been identified, and Kyoto Animation is beginning to release the names of the people who have passed. Uh, but yeah, this fucking dude just walked in and fucking with a bunch of gasoline just set the fucking building on fire. Yeah. Uh, the suspect who has been, who was identified and captured by the police uh, has since been transferred to a hospital in Osaka uh, for the serious burns that he Acquired while setting the fucking building on fire. Uh, he said that the he accused the studio of plagiarizing his novels, and thus wanted revenge. Uh, he did suffer from a history of mental illness and also had a criminal record uh, for a couple different things of like robbing a convenience store with a knife. Uh, but yeah, this was a. Uh, it's big. Yeah. Like Kyoto Animation has been a building block of the anime industry for two decades now, I think. Yeah, they have been. They've been responsible for some of the biggest things in anime to come out in the last like 20 years. Yeah. And yeah, like they have mentioned uh, that, like they have mentioned that, like a lot of the animation cells, a lot of the products they're working on, all of that was gone from the fire. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, that's just fucking terrible. Yeah. So, like, in addition to every, every, all the lives lost, more people's lives were destroyed by this. So it's just. Yeah. Um, but um, with with this thing, um, people did rally behind uh, KyoAni. Um, Sentai Filmworks uh, started a GoFundMe in order to help raise money uh, to at least alleviate some of the uh, stress that was happening because of this. Um, and the GoFundMe page uh, blew the fuck up. Uh, it was started with a goal of seventy seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they are currently sitting at two point two million. Yeah. Uh, if anyone out there hadn't seen this, which I don't know how the fuck you did, you couldn't. Uh, but you didn't, and you do want to support. Uh, you'll be able to find a link to the GoFundMe in the description to this podcast um, on SoundCloud on the website, and hopefully on any other platforms that we that this get posted to. 
Uh, if you can do, if you can do anything to help, um, yeah, that's this is this is bad. This is a bad thing. Yeah, this was a horrible thing someone did. Yeah, uh, to to everyone. The whole world knows it's bad, and the whole world also seems to have come together to try to help the people who were victims. Yeah, uh, so to everyone at Kyoto Animation, anyone who was affected by this, family and friends of any of the 34 who tragically were lost in the fire, deepest condolences for everyone here. This is a terrible thing to happen. And I don't really know how else to what else to say about this. Yeah, it's just it's just awful. Yeah, anyone who wants to help and hadn't heard about the thing again, link to the GoFundMe down below. I guess I could do it for this week. Yeah, didn't mean for this to end on such a sad note, but yeah, it. Things happen, man. Life, life, and terrible people happen. But thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back some point. I got feelers out for people, so hopefully, it'll not be too long of a dark period for this show. But we still got other shows going still got plenty of content coming out for all y'all uh because while birdie may have things in life happening motherfucker i'm dead i ain't going nowhere but until then i'm dead this is birdie signing off i'll see you guys next time